0: This in season edition of the Philocrosophy podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on custom timepieces that commemorate life's greatest achievements. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie of Penn in the late 80s, who led his team to the Final Four. John is best known for being the goalie that was dunked on by Gary Gate in the Air Gate in that 1988 Final Four game. Oxia makes beautiful Swiss made self winding watches whose design and quality match the essence of the memories they represent. Andy and I can attest to the quality. We each own a Brown University OXIA watch, and it's pretty much the nicest thing we own. One of OXIA's specialties is creating timepieces to celebrate storied team or championship victories. Check out the 2021 UVA National Championship watches or the Cornell Lacrosse team watches we created last year. You should really see the University of Georgia football team national championship watches or the Deerfield Academy lacrosse team watch to commemorate their national championship in 2021. New for this season, OXIA is creating all American watches to celebrate the student athletes that earned this incredible achievement. They've designed unique timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. If you want a custom watch to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments, Check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the in-season podcast with PLL Chaos Head Coach Andy Towers. What's up, A.T.? How are we doing today?
1: Good. How are you doing? Tough one for your boys, yeah, man.
0: man. Oh, I'm totally depressed. Got Not, not going to lie. Hats off to Delaware. They played great. Um, did what they needed to do on both ends. Made saves. We're in it in the faceoffs, scored timely goals, made some big-time plays. I, obviously, I was there live, so I, I didn't get the benefit of replays to really know what happened. Um, but uh, I feel bad for the Georgetown guys. They worked hard. They had a great season. And you know how it feels to be a number-two seed and, and to bow out when you thought you could have competed for a national championship. It's, it's a shitty feeling. Yeah, that is.
1: The same thing happened to us our junior year. We were 13 and Uh Went into the tournament at number two. And, uh, and lost in the quarters to Bubba Burlace and uh, Douglas, Steve Kavavit and uh, Mark Douglas and uh, the Maryland Terps. It was a similar scenario. We had uh, great aspirations. We were confident going into the game and, uh, and we got beat. You know, the goalie had 32 saves. I think this was a little bit different. Uh, You know, in complete transparency, I really only saw like the last two minutes of the game because I went to the Rangers game with James Towers yesterday, which was the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. The garden was absolutely crazy. Um, But what, you know, what were the keys to the game? Like if you had to put it together.
0: Um, I just think Georgetown you know, they played good defense for the most part. They might've turned it over a little bit more than they wanted to at times, particularly early. I don't even really know what the stats are, but I would just say they struggled to score. Um, Delaware put a short stick on Dylan Watson and a short stick on Alex Trippy, And uh, with polls on those righty middies on McDermott and on uh, Bundy, they limited those guys a little bit. Um, And, um, the goalie made some saves. I think he had 14 saves, which isn't like, you know, it's not like 32 saves like Kavavit. But there were some pretty damn good saves. A couple hit him in the feet and stuff like that. Um, it was, you know, I think they, I think Georgetown went up 8-6 in the fourth quarter. And it was like, okay, you know, they, they, they could one more goal and they'll probably seal this thing, but they didn't. And, um, you know, Delaware, you know, they got good players. They do. They were well coached. They inverted pretty much the whole game. They got some good slick shooters. They did some really good off-ball stuff, and they scored enough to win. I mean, you know, I think, you know, the the, the, the 98, 98 national championship wins that Bill Tierney seemed to have in the 90s or with no shot clock and the way the game was played is very different now. Like, you, you're not going to win a ton of games if you don't score 12 or 14 or 16 goals. You just got to score goals. Look at what was going on throughout the, the playoffs. There's a lot of goals being scored. So, no, no
1: question.
0: Um, James Riley won the face-off battle, but maybe didn't dominate it as much as you thought he might. Yeah, uh, Owen McElroy played well. Your boy Gettis played well. Um, yeah. Um, the defense played well. You know, I think the offense is going to kick themselves. There were some shots that you know. They, the other thing too is they just they just didn't stick some shots. You know, and, and that's part of that happens. You know it happens sometimes when there's shots you normally stick that you just miss, or that you you know just doesn't go where you want it to go. There was a little bit of that going on, too.
1: Sounds um, like, sounds like, uh, uh sounds like Georgetown Town maybe didn't play their best game, but it also sounds like a ton of credit deserves to go to Ben DeLuca and his staff and those players. You yeah, know, one no doubt. of the things I was reading after the game was that you know his, his messages in the huddle were consistent like, expect to win the game, you guys are capable in this game, and um. You know, believe that you're gonna that you're gonna win the game. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at Georgetown's year. You know, fifteen and one going into this game. Obviously, finished the season at fifteen and two, and certainly a a shitty way to end a really fucking awesome season. I mean, like this team was a special team, and you know they they may ha- have 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 peaked you know, in early May to some degree. I mean, easy to say after the fact, but you kind of look at, you know, their, their win over Villanova. Yeah. They, they were up and, and Villanova scored some goals at the end, but it still was a you know, a two game, two goal game at the end. Like it seemed like Georgetown maybe wasn't playing its best in the last week or two of the regular season, um, I didn't think that this was capable of happening. I I, I really did not. Yeah, uh, it was. I think a lot of people sort of felt that way. You know, and I,
0: I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, they 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 with a with a bounce here or a bounce there, they could have won this game. You know, and similar to Virginia last year, who had a bad end of their regular season and squeaked by Bryant. Yeah. Um. You know, it it could that that you know should have would have but those I I don't even know if I put that much stock in. Yeah, you got to be playing well, but you can play like not that great one week and play lights out the next week. Who the hell knows? Uh, but what I, what I do want to say, though, about Georgetown, having having experienced it from the uh, side of a parent and whose son plays there. Man, what a great program. Coaching staff, the parents, the players, the culture, all positivity, the brotherhood. Um, you, you couldn't ask for anything more, and that's why it's so sad for those guys that not to be able to continue it, um, but also why that uh, it, was, it was really special and, and very, feel very fortunate to have been a, a, a part of the, that family for, uh, for Collins' last couple of years of school. So Yeah,
1: man. I mean, no, no doubt. I, I don't think that there is a uh, hotter team. Out there right now, just sort of, our, our, maybe I should say, a hotter program. I mean, you know, clearly Maryland's at the top right now. Yeah. But you know, I, I I feel like Georgetown has the most momentum um, in their improvement than any other team out there in their trajectory. Yeah, they they. It's, they a, just... it's
0: not going to go anywhere. They got a lot of guys coming back. And um, they got some they're going to I'm sure they'll get some new guys coming in and they're recruiting at a high level. And Kevin Warren, such a good dude, such a good coach. Keeps it in perspective, doesn't take himself too seriously in, in, in a really positive way. What I mean by that is there's some people that just they take themselves so damn seriously, you can't even like talk to them, you know, and and he's not like that. He's just a normal guy. He's he holds you to high standards. But in a really cool way. And Mike Phipps, uh, David Shriver, uh, and Rowlett, you know, as a staff, man, great, great guys. Really connect with the players, treat them with respect, and and absolute experts in what they do. So, anyways, hats off to a good season for Georgetown. Bigger hats off to Delaware for, for, um, getting a, a tournament win for Ben DeLuca first time since he won, won some games uh, with Cornell. Um, exciting for, for them. And um, yeah, man. So let's talk about some other games. What, uh what, uh, what, what else did, did you see? what do you think of the Brown Virginia game, by the way?
1: You know, I, I thought that it was, uh, I thought it was a great game. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I think Brown surprised some people through, almost three full quarters of the game. You know, at 9-9, it seemed like every time that Virginia, you know, threw a punch, Brown could take it and throw another punch back. And and I was really impressed with their game plan. I was really impressed with their season. Uh, You know, I, I think that Mike Daly and his staff and the players have a ton to be really proud about and excited about. You know, they could have packed it in after losing to Harvard and losing to UMass. And instead, they went on a run that allowed them to finish first in the Ivy regular season and host the Ivy League tournament. And they played against a tough Penn team in the tournament and lost. And then they, you know, draw Virginia in the NCAA tournament and, and, and they lost. But I think this program surprised a lot of people and I'm gonna say they even surprised me you know I, I I was not confident that they were capable of beating Penn Yale Cornell when their back was absolutely against the wall and they had to get it done and they did all the way through the end in, in such an unbelievable pa- fashion with so much passion uh, you know and and but I think I don't think it changes the fact that you know Virginia is, is a different animal. You know they're they are a a program that doesn't have any doubt when they compete, and we saw that when this team wins faceoffs, they're capable of scoring on anybody, and that includes Maryland. Yeah, you know I think Maryland's going to win when they play this week, but I I will say that if Petey Sala can go on these these runs of winning four or 5 faceoffs in a row and Virginia gets going, they're really scary. You know, they're not as, they're not as balanced as Maryland are. And I don't think they're as balanced as Georgetown is, um, you know, but, but they, there's no doubt that they got some guys on the team that you can't cover. Like you've got to, you've got to really put a defensive game plan together. You can't just, throw somebody on Schellenberger, throw somebody on Matt Moore. And as much as those two guys are a two-headed monster in the lead dogs, you also have, you know, four or five other players on that team that at any time could go off and score four goals, you know, and get four points. And that's what puts this team in a position to get to, you know, 15 goals every game. And then you factor in the play of, Nunez in the goal, who's had a fantastic year. He really has. And he played great on Saturday night. I don't think there's any any shame, you know, with the way that Brown's season ended. I, I think they went down swing and they lost to a team that was a little more talented and a little deeper. Um, but they gave them everything they could handle. And you could see through the third quarter that Lars had a very serious and concerned expression on his face. And the Brown program is the one that put that look on his face. And I think they got it. you know, I think they'll hold their heads up high.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think the passion and the energy with which Brown played was amazing. Um, they just played fast. They played hard. They played confidently. You know, in the end, you know, they could have used – maybe they could have used uh, – Matt Moore <laughs> or Connor schellenberger you know as you know like Virginia's got two of them you know to be able to create some offense when you need something you know but but in the end man I, I just thought that they played great too
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean they they really did I, I think you know the sad part is I I feel like if they had just just had more face-off success I, I don't I don't think Virginia was comfortable covering Brown you know they've been They were so opportunistic all year long. It's like, you know, outside of Ryan Aughaven and Devin McLean, you know, and and even Aughaven and Devin McLean, it's not like you look at those guys and you look at them the same way you look at Matt Moore and Schellenberger. You you don't, um, you know, look at them that way. But they just take everything that a defense gives them and jams it right down their throats. You know they don't they don't waste anything, it yeah. seemed like, and yeah they played tough they played a good full field game
0: they played good yeah. defense I mean they did a lot of good things like you said they, the face offs um, face offs down the stretch made. That was it, a problem
1: we made, knew that could be a problem and it could be a problem for Maryland um, and if it is uh, it could be a close game yeah if it's not you know like in order to really have a good chance to beat this Maryland team. I just think you got to face off at sixty percent plus. You know, fifty percent. They're they're too efficient on offense. They're too disciplined. Uh, You know, they they don't ever waste a possession. They don't take bad shots. You know, there's just a a lack of sloppiness that Maryland seems to play with every single game. That every other team in the country has lapses. Of Right. Like everybody at some point seems to space out and waste three or four possessions or, or, or give up some easy goals. Seems like Maryland never yeah. does that ever. Like it, it, it's almost like you feel like Maryland's never going to lose another lacrosse game ever again. Like, <laughs> like it felt, it felt that way about Denver, you know, in 2015, kind of when they were on their run and you know, I, I kind of felt that way about Yale the year that they won the national championship. And then the following, you know, year, like they just you know, it, they just seem like so, so sharp.
0: So they're
1: so sharp. They know exactly what they're doing. There's no stress, you know, but they're but they're serious about what they're doing. Man. And they, they the way they move the ball and
0: move without the ball too, is just an absolute thing of beauty. I mean, there's just balance between their spacing and their actions and the ball movements phenomenal. How about Bobby Benson and the job he's doing? I mean, wow, he's doing
1: such a such a great job, you know. Um, and 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 Tills does such a great job, you know. They, they it's like they, it's like the, the thing that's interesting about this team, this Maryland team. Like, yeah, they got a lot of passion and all that stuff, but I also feel like there's a lot of humility with this team, and and maybe it's the fact that they went undefeated and lost to the national championship last year. And and that's just at the forefront of their mind about, you know, you you can never look past any immediate situation, Um, you know, but I I really think it trickles down from tills and for Bobby and, and, and the players it's, it's like, they are uh, a machine, you know, they're like a, a lacrosse machine that, that plays, sort of emotionless it, 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 regardless of what like the, the soviet are. hockey
0: team didn't from the, yeah. the soviet 1980 hockey team
1: yeah they are i mean they really are like the amount of times like they'll make a pass a pass a pass and i'm like oh that's the shot and then they make three more passes and they end up with a better shot and i'm like oh wow i would have already left the bar <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's rich. Wow.
0: Um, did you watch the uh, that Vermont game at all?
1: I watched it, yeah. I I, I thought Vermont would play better. I, yeah. I thought they would compete at the X much better than they did. Uh, I thought that – Does that tell you that the,
0: that the Maryland
1: guy is better than you thought? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's hard to say he's not. I mean, it's just like – I just think about him last year, and I think he was, you know, sort of like – was either second or third guy last year. And then he emerged it's sort of down the stretch. And, you know, I, I felt like they were good, not great. But this kid has become great, like great. And it really is sort of the final piece to this Maryland team. You know, last year it was an area where they weren't always great. And, and even though they were undefeated all the way down until the national championship, you know, I never felt like that was an area they were going to own every single game. Uh, yet he did win the, the last face off, you know, down by a goal forward and and they got a great shot, you know, when they needed it, it, did, it got saved. They didn't score, but, but this is a kid that, Absolutely. I mean, he's our first team all American. He has, they, they play great competition. He does it against everybody. And not only that, he's extremely competent after the draw with the ball makes the right decision, whether he's shooting it or passing it. You know, the one yesterday, the, the one that he won forward at the front and sort of threw like a little bit of a look away to Winoskis, who pounded the far corner is just sort of a, a testament to, you know, how, Smart of a decision maker, this guy is in real time on the draws. You know, LaSala does the same sort of thing, but LaSala is much more apt to sort of dodge that first guy, not get trail checked and score. Yeah. And Weirman has a craftiness as a passer in the transition opportunities that he creates, and, and that's sort of next level for a for a Fogo.
0: Yeah. Did you uh Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Penn-Richmond game. Did you watch that one? Uh,
1: no, I didn't get to see too much of it. I saw just the very end of it. James had a game versus Staples that day, and so I didn't get to watch that game, but I was, I was following it, and I certainly read the articles. Um, it sounds like Sam Hanley made a couple of really big plays down the stretch, and uh, they were able to do it again. How many overtime wins does Penn have this year? Four?
0: Let's take a look. In the meantime, all the games are kind of – uh, a blur because there were so many that I ended up watching, but uh, uh, hats off to Richmond. I mean, they put themselves in a position to win that game up a goal. We we, we said game. that
1: was going to, I mean, we said that was going to happen. We also said the same thing about St. Joe's, you know, and, and, and people didn't really want to hear it um, when we said it, you know, uh, but there's no question that, I mean, Richmond for all intents and purposes had this game done like that. He did it, it could have been done, and even that handle that the kid had on the backside, Ben Smith. Uh, you know Sick. that pass that Hanley threw. I, did he catch that off the ground and dunk it? I think he did. It Looked like it to okay. tie it. The one to tie it. You know, twenty-four seconds. I can't left. remember. They're
0: all kind of um, they're all yeah. a blur. But um, so as far as close games from Penn,
1: you know, Duke was overtime. I know that. Look at Penn State game. That was with one second left. Villanova, I think, was with one second, something like that.
0: One, two, three, four, five, six. St. Joe's, I watched that game too. Seven one goal
1: games. Yeah. And a few of those were were overtime. Goal games. Yeah. But they also lost, you know, one goal game to Yale, one goal game to Princeton, a two goal game to Brown. You know, so the perception is that they're the cardi- cardiac quakes, you know, but these one goal games, whatever they're, you know, four and three, is that what they are or close to it? You know, it's I, I think they're going to have a real problem with Rutgers. Um, you do. You know, I thought they would win on against Richmond, but I certainly felt like it was a super scary game. I mean, we spoke about it and Richmond did a great job. I did. I do want to say that that kid Zussi did a great job of the faceoffs. He won a lot of those face-offs and I thought that they would lose in that area, but Zussi's, Zussi's you know, I, I haven't adequately appreciated him this season, but he has had some games where he has stepped up and done really well. And this was one of them, just like that Harvard game was, um, you know, in April and, This is an offense that we all know what's going to happen. We all know that in settled situations, Sam Hanley is going to get the ball, and they're going to sort of play off of him beating his guy and and play off of how the defense decides to play him. I wouldn't be surprised if teams start sort of lingering a guy at the box a little bit, like I, you know, to not let not let him get a run. Yeah, you know, make it hard for him to get the ball. I mean, he's a hoop player. He's obviously a great athlete. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he will get the ball, but I'm not so sure that it's smart to let him get the ball so easily where he wants to get it whenever he wants it.
0: Like with well, a head of skin.
1: Yeah. Like let's make it hard for him to get the ball. You know, take your, your fastest pole and step out. And, uh, you know, again, make, make, it, make it hard for him to get the ball. Slide early when he does get it. So he has to get the ball out of his stick again you know, or, or, and, and see if he's disciplined enough to just pass it out. If they bring the double to him without him really, you know, dodging, so to speak. And, and that can change things. I remember when Yale, I'm sorry. I remember when Penn played the gates and, and part of the strategy that Tony Seaman had, I believe was, you know, they would shut off Gary gate. And then as soon as he got the ball, they would just send the double to him right away and the right play, obviously, if, if you get a double team is to move the ball Maybe move the ball and then maybe you shut them off again. And it's just, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that even though he might be able to get the ball when he wants it, if the focus of the first, you know, 15 seconds of the possession is trying to find a way to get him the ball, you have a tendency to sort of step outside of your offense and not play loosely and focus on things that, yeah, you know, the defense is trying to take away rather than just, you know, play your offense and manage how the defense is playing you uh, and, and take advantage of the other opportunities that are created when they are so concerned with one player. But I won't be surprised at all if Rutgers comes out and they make it really hard for Sam Hanley to get the ball and they force Penn's offense to beat them in a way that, that maybe they aren't comfortable um, yeah. playing. And and And, and honestly – you know this this Rutgers team is the hunter. I, I have Rutgers favored in this game, even though Penn is the three seed. I got Rutgers favored in this game. I think that Brian Brecht and Sarimeth, these guys are going to have a great plan in place for Sam Hanley. Their offense is really it's really good, sure dangerous. They got a lot of guys that can score. Rutgers is always tough as shit. Um, you know they got a great goalie. They got a great long pole. They got a good, close defenseman. And these coaches are really, really good. And, and last year, they were an overtime loss from going to the Final Four. This is a team that's ready for the next step. And, and Penn, there's no question they're good enough to get, I think, to the national championship. But they, but the, the spectrum between when they play their best and when they play so-so is like six, seven goals, I feel like.
0: You know, last uh, last comments on the Richmond game. Richmond, Richmond had the game won with a stop yeah, with less than a minute left. And um, you know, Penn, along with a lot of the Ivies, have a, they 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 ride like they ride like hell, and and they were able to create the turnover that got the game tying ball, which is a total heartbreaker. But uh, I wanted you to comment a little bit on. On the on, on all the rides that we're seeing, you know, Yale's got a great ten man. Cornell did a great job with their rides. Yep. Um, Ohio
1: State was doing it. Ohio long State long. was doing
0: it. Um, pretty sure both those teams were doing it at each other. Virginia, you know, they they, they when they get in a, when they get in the hole, they 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 go right into a ride. Um, so, but that 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 was huge. I, I feel like if the goalie would have gone up and out with it, um, they they might, they might have been able to get that thing out quick, which is yeah, so critical.
1: You know, I, I think, you know, for years, Bucknell was great with their 10-man ride. Joe Bresci with his, his gold ride at Carolina. You know, those, those were the 10-man riding teams that really caused some problems for you. You know, Notre Dame has been a really good riding team as well. And I think that you're starting to see an evolution in coaching strategy where more and more of these teams are willing to give up, you know, the periodic sixty-yard shot for the upside of ride backs into transition offense. That, you know, for all intents and purposes, with high-level talent at the attack in the Division One game, you get a ride back. You check the ball out of a stick or intercept the pass. You know, and it's a live situation. Those almost always end up in goals. You know, and then the other scenario, obviously, is if the ball goes out of bounds, uh, you know, or something like that. But I, I think that I think it's smart and I think it makes a ton of sense to really get organized on the rise and 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 make these teams have to change fields a couple of times. And if they can do it with firm overs and 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 get it out, great. Um but i i think it's i think it's an evolution and and, and oh, yeah. a willingness to take more chances and, from a coaching perspective
0: in the 22nd you know get it over clock that that had I existed mean. and then didn't exist and came back with the shot clock makes it makes it i love that worth it. It. i think it's yeah. a great rule yeah, yeah. R- i'm that kid uh uh that that ben smith kid had two two ride back goals he had that he had or, or caused one and scored one, but but early in the game, he had an empty netter on one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is a, a, a 10 man turnover, you know, on these ride backs, you know, everybody's got to do their job so that there isn't a, you know, an easy pass that's just upfield. You know, if you force somebody to beat, you know, a riding attackman and you're organized about the way you roll into supporting that attackman, even as the ball comes over the midline and you end up with your pole on their short stick or even better, your pole rolling in and covering a pole that runs it over, it, it, it really is a problem for teams. And I, I think the best teams, will continue, we're gonna to continue to see more and more of this moving ahead.
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, Yale and St. Joe's. What'd you think of that game? I
1: thought it was an incredible game to watch. It was. Uh, I watched it back and forth, and I, and I and I honestly like we said that we thought St. Joe's could win the game, and that this was a scary game for Yale. And it and I and I knew St. Joe's was good, but they impressed me. They were better than I thought they were.
0: They were slicker uh, than I thought they'd be.
1: Yeah, you know. Well, listen, we thought we'd they'd win faceoffs, and we and thought they they'd be. be a tough team to contain offensively, uh, and they were. You know, I, I just think that to put in ball for Ramsey and have him go and have the success that he had, that was the difference down the stretch. I, I think if they had kept Ramsey in, I think that St. Joe's would have won this game.
0: And then the freshman for Yale again, lean leading the way, Chris Lyons at three and three, Leo Johnson four and two, Brandau with a classic four and two. But man, it's just unbelievable how young these guys are and how good lacrosse they're playing, what kind of numbers they're putting up. I mean,
1: yeah. They're, 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 we got we got three really big time games. And I'm not trying to discount Cornell versus Delaware, you know, but I feel like like you've got kind of the the top six teams in the country in Maryland, Virginia, Princeton, Yale. Rutgers Penn, you know, I, I, I feel like those are the top six teams left and Cornell has the potential to beat anybody. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's ironic, it's ironic how it feels like Richie Moran is sort of looking over this national tournament with Maryland and John Tillman, a Cornell grad and Maryland is where Richie went to school, obviously. I'm at the forefront of that discussion. You look at the way that Cornell was able to come back at home after being down, I think four zip to Ohio state and really pounding Ohio state, um, you know, down the stretch of the last three quarters, you look at Ben DeLuca, a Cornell grad, you know, spearheading Delaware's upset win over Georgetown and now going to play Cornell, you know, it, it, Parts of me wouldn't be surprised to see Maryland and Cornell in the final, and us kind of thinking back, you know what? Wow, this is Richie really looking down on on, on college across and and giving it, you know, one last blessing. You know, pretty pretty uh, pretty heavy shit, man. Totally, dude. How good
0: is CJ Kirst?
1: God, he shit. just does it in a variety of ways. Stud, man, man. God. he can help but, like. Like, his attitude is so infectious. You know who he reminds me of? Just his whole demeanor and the way that he plays is David Evans. Oh, yeah. He's got it all. You know, he can – David was such a complete player and as talented as David was and as skilled as David was, um, and he's such a great passer for a natural goal scorer. David Evans was such a great passer. And the best thing about David Evans was, you know, his infectious – positivity and enthusiasm and never back down to anybody no matter what the circumstances was I I just see so much of the way that David Evans plays or played in this guy CJ Kirst he can do it all seems like he's so genuinely and authentically out for his teammate's success and as a result they're so out for his success there's no you know sort of like competition to see who can score more points with a kid like this in your program, because before you can be competitive at him, he's celebrating your success and just eliminates that dynamic. That's the way it feels watching him play.
0: You know, it's kind of funny. uh, I, I watched video on CJ Kirst from last June with a bunch of kids that I work with that are like live near Del Barton. And they were like, oh yeah, CJ curse came out and he was playing like three by with these guys and just watching him and listening to him playing with like high school kids, boys and girls. And just the infectious personality, the enthusiasm, the love of the game, the skills, all of it. I mean, he hadn't played a college game yet. Um, And I was like, wow, that kid is, he looks like he's played a fair amount of this. Um another another point on CJ Kirst is um you know I I I am a huge I'm a huge fan of Jeff Teat's game. I think he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Um and um and about midseason, Terry Foy, CEO of Inside the Cross, is like, yeah, well, CJ Kirst, he's just as good as Jeff Teat. And I was like, I don't know about that. Um they're very different not, players, but man, you know what though? He's not I
1: mean, just as good as Jeff, Jeff T like that's not, that's a totally irresponsible it, statement. It is. It is. Okay?
0: But I thought and, I dismissed it though. I dismissed it the kind of way you are right now with like no fucking way. Um, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm not going to, you know, even compare them except for the fact that seven goals in a tournament game as a freshman, is as impressive as it gets and this guy is special and uh he made i i
1: i I agree with that you know um and and it's not i'm not taking anything away from cj kirst i mean he's uh he, he he is a stud there's just no question about it but when you talk about jeff t you're talking about i know you know trust me
0: i think he's the best player in the world That's why when he said that, I was just like, you know.
1: I don't think he's the best player in the world, but I think he's absolutely, uh, you know, one of the the three best attackmen in the world. And I could defend verbally why he's the best attackman in the world, but I could defend verbally why Josh Byrne is the best attackman in the world. Yeah. You know, and, I hear you. And, you can't even.
0: You know, it's uh, an arbitrary sort of thing. But I mean, I, I think he's arguably the best player in the world. He's
1: arguably the best attackman in the history of you know the Ivy League, and and arguably, I mean, he's right in the conversation. With he's as good as anybody ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> totally know, agree. And he's he, he's
1: as good as anybody ever. And and the best thing about Jeff Teed is, you know, he can go two and ten just like he can go 10 and two yeah. and you just it's like he's just so unassuming in the way that he plays and seemingly so unimpressed with himself that's like after dinner you go into the kitchen and the cookie jar is gone and all you see is Jeff getting into his car and the screen door slamming and and Jeff's taking off with your cookie jar <laughs> and you just don't really know you know you didn't really even know he just would kill you. Um slow Crazy. down.
0: Yep. Crazy. Um so Princeton BU. Did you watch that one? I did.
1: You no, know, Princeton. Listen for BU to be able to win this game. I think Connor Calderon had to win face-offs and he didn't. And BU had a great year. They've got a ton to be proud of. Um, you know, they really cemented themselves as a as a a formidable opponent to anyone. Um, You know, Ryan Poli, his staff, those guys to beat Army, which was also had one of the better teams that they've ever had. And Brendan Nick turn and, 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 and to beat those guys the way that they did this year. I just think that this Princeton team was a tough team for them. You know, uh, uh, I think B U, I think Brown would have been a better opponent for B U than Princeton just because um, you know, I, I think that Princeton's offense is so well rounded. Their defense did a good job of locking them down. I just uh I wasn't surprised by this game.
0: Yeah. All right, let's talk about the uh let's talk about the matchups. Um Back in the 70s, when I was watching um, Flint, the Flintstones, I do remember when Fred went back to college. Uh, Shale? Fred, Shale. Princeton versus Shale.
1: I saw that game.
0: Yeah. And Freddie was, did you remember that he was um, so back. exhausted because he was studying so much that he was like sleepwalking and like mumbling um, accounting Um terminologies and all the football, everyone was getting confused and he ended up kind of sleepwalking into the end zone. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So the Princeton <laughs> Shale, that's why I always think of when, when, when it's the uh, Princeton Yale game. So Princeton Shale, what are your
1: thoughts? Who wins this one? Well, if I dissect it, you know, I feel like, um, I think the face-offs are going to be a wash. You know, obviously Andy Shea went with, James Ball down the stretch, and and that paid huge dividends for them. I think that Sandoval at Princeton has had a great year too. You know, Sandoval I believe won the faceoffs when Princeton played Yale the first time around, and even though Yale won the game, I I think that Princeton held a slight edge there. Let's see. It'll be interesting to see how quickly. Andy Shea goes back to James Ball in this game. I I think that Sandoval is going to get the better of Ramsey again, but does it happen to the point where Andy throws James Ball in there a little sooner? It was interesting how he went back with Ramsey at the very end of the game after James Ball had had so much success against Zach Cole. So I I feel like Princeton's got a little bit of an edge there, but we'll just call it a wash. Uh, You know, I've been impressed with the way Princeton had looked, you know, from an offensive standpoint. And, and frankly, I'm a little worried about Yale's defense. I am, you know, as, as, as well coached as they are and as good as the individual parts are, I just feel like they, they're giving up a lot of goals. Now I, I, you know, part of it is the pace of the game and the goal is to win the game and, You know, if you're going to give up a lot of goals, but you push it in transition and you score a lot of goals, you know, does Yale care if they win 18 to 16 or if they win, you know, nine to seven? No, I don't think Andy cares in that respect. You know, I think where he feels there are opportunities for improvement, he'll focus his energies and they'll improve. I mean, he's a great coach and they got really smart players that are completely bought in to their team's success. But I I feel like Princeton's offense may have a little bit easier of a time scoring on Yale's defense than Yale's offense will against Princeton's defense. I think the fact that Yale beat Princeton the first go-around, even though the game was back and forth, favors Princeton a little bit coming into this. But – the Yale guys, I think, have a little more confidence that they belong. They've done it as a program. They've been to the Final Fours recently. They've won the national championship recently. You know, I I just feel like even though Yale has a lot of freshmen, they've arrived. You know, Leo Johnson is a – he's playing like an All-American. He just is. Nobody can tell me any different than that, um, you know. And so, with Brandao and Leo Johnson, you know George Bond sure will cover Brandau. You know, does Molsheim cover Leo? I like Leo in that matchup. Um, this is a pickem. I mean, this game is a pickem. Uh, you know, I, I, in my, in my pool, I took Yale. But I feel like Yale didn't play that well in the finals of the Ivy Championship. I feel like. They didn't play that well uh between the lines at the X or on the defensive end against St. Joe's. They did play well offensively. Yeah. You know, is Yale gonna be able to beat them 18-16? If if it if it's that type of game, I think Yale wins. If it's a lower scoring game, it, it might favor Princeton. So, you know, I don't know what my prediction. I, I'll just go. I, I think Yale's gonna win. Um, and I think they're going to win because they're more experienced in being there over the last five years. And I think the the players are less wide eyed. And I think Andy Shea, uh, you know, is, is more comfortable in this landscape than coach Madeline is at this point. So I'm going with Yale. All right. Penn Rutgers. Well, we talked about it a little bit before, you know, Penn's capable of, of winning the national championship. We said that before the season started, like we said about Yale. Rutgers has been better than I thought they would be. I thought losing uh, Sherilyn Beatys and some of these other guys that were four-year players for them would have been a much bigger hit than it actually was. To the credit of Brian Brack and Eric Saramet, they were able to identify and bring in some offensive players that have just made a major impact on this team. And this Rutgers team is better than the Rutgers team from last year. You know, I think Penn in this game, I usually don't say it, but I think in this game, I favor Zussi at the X. You know, both teams have unbelievable long stick middies. Uh, You know, Penn has Sam Hanley, which Rutgers does not. But I feel like Rutgers from a balance, from a balanced offense standpoint, is playing yeah, right. at a, a level that's above anybody except Maryland. And so I think Rutgers finds a way to win the game, even though I think they'll face off under 50%. Both goalies I would have as sort of a wash between Birkenshaw and Kirst. I just feel like the balance of Rutgers, they got more dangerous offensive players and they're less predictable than Penn is. I think Penn relies too much on Sam Hanley. And I think even though he'll probably go for, you know, seven to 10 points, I just think Rutgers is going to find a way to win like, you know, 20 to 18 or 20 to 17, something crazy like that. I got Rutgers in this game. All right. So on
0: Sunday, the first game is Cornell Delaware.
1: Yeah, I think, that, I think that Cornell here is in a really good spot. You know, I think that Petrakis did a great job bouncing back after the, you know, first six, seven face-offs against Anasio. And this Cornell attack is something else. I mean, they are really scary offensively. And if Petrakis is winning the face-offs, the guy Adler is defenseman of the year as far as I'm concerned. I think he's the number one defensive player in the country. And I think that he is going to be uh, a constant disruption to Delaware's offense. Cornell's playing with a lot of swagger. They always play fast. They always beat the whistle. They always, you know, pride themselves on being unified and tough and hard nosed and blue collar. And Delaware is just coming off a, an incredible win over a great opponent in Georgetown. And, Ben DeLuca deserves all the credit in the world, but I just think this Cornell team is too good on the offensive end for Delaware to do it two times in a row. And and, and Cornell is not looking past anyone, you know, and and they know they stay in the moment and they they got more talent, I think, than Delaware. Both teams play hard, but I just find it really hard to believe that Cornell isn't going to find a way to come out of, uh, of this game. I got Cornell by about three and a half goals in this game.
0: Yeah. I just don't think you're going to see Cornell getting, you know, not not scoring 14. And I That's think, right.
1: That's yeah. right. And, and, and if they win faceoffs
0: Yeah. How about Petraka though, like really getting rinsed early and then coming back and just figuring yeah, it out?
1: What, what, yeah. what was your
0: analysis on that?
1: You know, I, I honestly, I didn't see enough of it because that's when I got on the train to go to the Rangers game because I had to get my head right. Um, and so I didn't see enough of it. I was following it on the internet as I was going into the city. So I I can't speak to the changes that the track has made, you know, maybe he put a little less weight on his hands. I don't know, but it just looked like Inacio was killing him off the whistle just from a sheer speed perspective. Yeah. Obviously that changed. And, And when it changed Cornell, um, Drop the hammer and, and ultimately were able to pull away from Ohio State. Our
0: last game of the weekend, Maryland, Virginia.
1: I, I think this is a game we've all been looking for, but as much as we're enamored with Schellenberger and Matt Moore and the job that Pete Salad did on Saturday night versus Brown and at goalie and, and, and Lars's ability to get his team ready to go and, and they got good individual players. They got some guys that can stretch the defense. I think we're seeing in Maryland – the second best college team ever. Maybe, you know, clearly the, the, the Gates in 89, that team was, was ridiculous winning that championship. Well, in, in uh, 89, I, I liked, I actually liked the 89 team better. I liked the 89 team better. And the reason I did is because I, I liked Zolberti was on that team. Um, you know, a Hall of Famer, he's not in there yet, but he absolutely should be and should have been a long, long time ago. But I think that 89 Syracuse team, and they actually lost to Petro and Hop in the first game of the year, 13-12, and then ultimately beat him in the national championship. I like that team better because of Z. Yeah. Um, you know, that I did the 90 team. The 90 team didn't have to go through Petro. Yeah, you know, the they, 90 they, team didn't have as
0: much competition.
1: They didn't have the same competition. They won the national championship 21-9 to versus Loyola. We beat Loyola that year at Brown, you know, 10-7 up in Providence. And I just felt like that 89 Syracuse team is untouchable. I think that's the best team ever, even though the 90 Syracuse team statistically was the most dominant and was undefeated. I think this team is right there with the best of the, you know, Jesse Hubbard, John has Chris Massey, Princeton teams, that went undefeated. This Maryland team is just on the same level. And uh, 06,
0: yeah. 06 Virginia.
1: 06 Virginia. I, I like this Maryland team better than that Virginia team. I think this team um, is so balanced and so disciplined. And like we said, I mean, this is, they're like, you know, they're like a lacrosse machine. And I think the lacrosse machine is going to find a way, um, you know, to beat Virginia just doing what they do. They're just too balanced. And Virginia has some areas where they can compete with Maryland, but they're just not balanced in the same way that Maryland is. They're yeah. not as disciplined. They, they throw the ball away. Sometimes they, they, you know, shoot. Uh, they take some bad shots now and then. And, and I just, to me, I, I got Maryland, you know, winning by five or six goals. And that's if Virginia plays them well and, and, and wins some face Virginia's got, to, Virginia's got to win 60-plus at the X, and McEnany has to, has to be off a little bit for Virginia to really be a threat to win the game. I just don't think they're capable of, of, uh, of beating this Maryland team.
0: All right, I like the picks.
1: Um, all right, let's do our Oxy Time uh, Player of the Week. What do you got? Uh, I got C.J. Kirst from Cornell, seven goals as a freshman in, uh, in a great W. Versus Ohio State comeback win at Sholcroft. I got to go with that too. CJ Kirst, man, what a what a freaking stud! Seven
0: goals. I mean, you know what? When they were down, he he just took the game into his own hands in the early in that game. They couldn't get anything going, and he scores a goal one on one, and then he scores another dot. You know, then he scores a righty goal on the run, and then he scores an off ball goal. Like three of the first four or five goals that like really took a four nothing deficit that was not looking good and brought him right back into it. Does day. Oxygen
1: Time have a play of the week? Play of the week? Yeah. We can could, we could do whatever we want. I'm going to do an oxy Time play of the week. All right, what was it? Well, the runner-up was the behind-the-back goal from the Delaware kid. Yeah. Um, but the play that I loved was Coyle's ground ball shuffle to cursed. You see, like, did
0: you see that play? I did because I had to go to uh, the tailgate, and I and the game was so delayed that I didn't get a chance to watch the end of the uh, game.
1: It was, it was like the there was a loose ball on the offensive end in front of uh, the Ohio State goalie, and 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 Coil like went in and got the ground ball, but he had about three Ohio State guys coming right at him, and instead of like picking it up and trying to roll out or get through the pressure. He, like, did a speed, scoop, shovel pass to Kirst, like an eight-yard, you know, snively shovel. And Kirst caught it and looked high and pounded it low for a goal. I think it was his fourth of the game or fifth of the game, something like that. Maybe it was the fourth of the quarter. Could have been, could have been a sixth goal overall. But uh, it was just such a such awesome wherewithal. That kid's really good, number 11 for Cornell. I love the way he plays.
0: Yeah. I love watching their offense, man. They're 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 dynamic. They're fun. Yeah. Well, listen, man. Um, You're fun. You're f- uh, <laughs> fun. Fun. <laughs> I love that when you when you go into uh, you know your shopping and your wife's you know and your mother in law and they're like oh fun.
1: fun, that's good fun.
0: That's good fun. You're good people. That that outfit looks fun. Oh, fun. <laughs>
1: Guess what song I heard when I was uh, backing up in the Dragon today to go to the dump? What? You got a letter in. <laughs> what so. station were you listening to? So violating. I was listening to, to uh, uh, the 70s station. And sure enough, John Travolta was on there. And I looked around, make sure nobody was catching me. And then I sang the chorus with him from my heart. <laughs> <laughs> We'll catch you next time. All right. We'll check you. Bye. Bye,